0: What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 150, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and my favorite team in all of sports is Chelsea. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and his favorite team in all of sports is Liverpool. Frank, how you doing?
1: Glad to see the tornado didn't take you away.
0: I was going to say, you survived the tornado.
1: I did. Did you? No. Or is this like a doppelganger?
0: Doppelganger. Found a guy that looks just like me, threw him on a devil's shirt and a
1: Patriots hat, and it's all good in the hood. Come on. What do you mean? We want the real VP back. The real
0: VP is here to stay. Yeah, crazy weather we had last night, eh?
1: I love storms. I live for it.
0: Yeah, I love them too. I was just a little worried that, you know, I have a brother, who lives in Elgin, and he's not always the smartest person when it comes to, you know, he's not taking it seriously. Like, you know, you should probably go downstairs when there's a tornado 4 towns away. So you know, stuff like that is a little interesting to me. But yeah, overall, I had a good time with the storm.
1: I usually never go downstairs either. I'm one of those. G actually ran outside in it just to like be different. Yeah, that's
0: insanity. I said,
1: did that make you feel good? She's like, insanity.
0: That's absolute insanity. There was so if there was a tornado four towns away from Elgin, it's five towns away
1: from Streamwood. Well, we weren't in Streamwood to be fair, but we were. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know if she would have (laughs) wanted. It it was okay, and then it got really windy, and then it's like...
0: Mundelein and, like, all them were pretty... They got, like, a thunderstorm, like, maybe a little bit of hail. But, like, a little more south, there were tornadoes and the alarms, and I don't know. I'm curious. She might out of spite now, out of me saying this, but I'm curious if she would have did that had she been in Streamwood.
1: Oh, I think so. Maybe. But
0: 10 times worse in Streamwood than it was Mundelein yesterday, guaranteed. Could be, yeah. Like, there were the sirens. Did you guys get sirens? Do you hear sirens? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there were the sirens, some shaky winds, hail. No hail damage on the car. That's good news. Yeah. Um, so, you know.
1: And then there's all these cities on the news. I'm like, that's a fake city. like paw, paw, Illinois. Yeah, come on. There's Pawpaw, like,
0: paw, Illinois had a uh, tornado yesterday. There was, like,
1: bald man, Illinois. I go, Ooh. that's fake. I'm like, come on, that's fake. Like, nobody hears it. Like, that's where you get the golf ball-sized hail and, and like, the big tornadoes because it's just, nobody lives there and it's just open fields. I mean, come on. Like, they're just making shit up.
0: Yeah, when I saw Pawpaw, Illinois, had a tornado touchdown. <laughs> this what, like... what was the other town? There was the town that's four towns away from Elgin that had the tornado yesterday. Waterman. Waterman, Illinois. Just a couple towns away from Elgin. But, like... Elgin even is like half open field. So but like when you're in Mundelein or like, you know, Elk Grove, these towns that are like a little bit closer to the city. Yeah. You're not in too much tornado danger. I wouldn't think, but. Well,
1: their I mean, backyard is all cornfields.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I think, I think you'd be surprised at how much open land is needed for a tornado to actually go, go from, you know, just, um, What is it called when it starts to like have rotation in the clouds? Um, That's what turns into a tornado is when clouds like the ultimate rotation. But I mean, you need a lot.
1: That's why these cities we never heard of get them because there's nothing in those cities.
0: Basically, basically. But the people who do live there have devastating times ahead of them. We're thinking of everybody who had a tough time with the tornadoes yesterday. Hopefully it all works out for you. Hopefully we could be a beacon of entertainment for the next handful of hours. Um, Frank, I think it's time we talk about one of the most entertaining things we've had in the world of hockey in the last ten years, in period number one. Welcome to period one, Frank. Everything we're gonna talk about in this period we watched together. The Chicago Blackhawks took on the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday. And Hawks Wings is always fun. And while I'm watching the game, I was thinking, like, damn. I wish the Red Wings were in the Central Division. I just wish they were in the Central Division so bad. If these two teams played each other more often, it would be awesome. It used to be like that. It used to be like that. And you know what? Not only would it be like the fact that it's more often that they play each other, they would be a little bit more meaningful. Like, oh, it's a big four-point game in the division tonight. Now it's like, you know, if they go to overtime and each team gets a point, they don't really care because, like, they're not in each other's way in the standings in any way, shape, or form. Um, I liked it when, no, the Hawks need to beat the Wings in regulation. The Wings need to beat the Hawks in, regu- <clears throat> excuse me, in regulation. So that's what I like, but maybe we'll get back to that. But on Sunday night, the main point of the game, we knew it from basically around this time last year on. No, it was probably more in the summer when Pearl Jam was in town and Eddie Vedder made the announcement. That Chris Chelios...
1: Was, was September, I think.
0: Was it September? Or was it was a little later in the summer? I okay. think that's
1: what he said during the...
0: That makes sense. That actually sounds about right. So Eddie Vetter of Pearl Jam, he makes the uh, the announcement that... And, you know, Chris Chelios, big Pearl Jam fan. He's at every concert that comes through Chicago. Um, makes the announcement that the Blackhawks are going to be retiring his number seven at the United Center um, in February when the Hawks took on. Another team that Chelios played for, the Detroit Red Wings. Frank? Between the ceremony and retiring his number and all that stuff, what did you think?
1: It was one of the coolest ceremonies I have ever witnessed with my own two eyes. Like Skoke says, Chelios coming out in a Cadillac. That was boss. He had his mother in there with him. It was just a cool moment. He had family, close friends, teammates. The whole night was truly special. It was it had an atmosphere like none other. And I think that's because of how unique of a personality Chelios has. He has that personality that just you love to be around. You want to befriend him. You want to go out with him, have a drink with him, grab a bite to eat. He's just that type of dude. And everything seems so naturally. I was watching it. I'm like, isn't he supposed to have something written down that he could go off of, which he did, but half the time, it wasn't like one of those monotone reading at the, you know, at the podium. Oh, thank you, Blackhawks for making this. No, he would just go out on tangents. He threw a a line in there about the shot clock or the clock they had of how much time he had left. I mean, everything was just so natural. And that's what I love about Chris Chelios. And, you know, for newer fans to hockey, you might not know, obviously, if you're a big Blackhawks fan, you will, but he was a huge member of the Blackhawks, even though he only sp- spent or he spent most of his career with a few other teams. He only spent nine years in Chicago, but he was a big part of this Blackhawks. And not, many people might not know this, but he also played 26 seasons in the NHL. So he never won a cup with the Hawks, but he did win two Norris trophies. He had like, oh, geez almost 500 points. I know he had 92 goals and a, hand, a bunch of assists and 664 regular season games. And doing that as a defenseman, I mean, it's clear he's one of the best American-born players to ever play hockey. And the stats he had were fantastic for a defenseman, even the little bit he was with the Hawks. He's also, and this record will stand probably... I don't know if it'll ever be broken, but he's the team's career leader in penalty minutes with almost 1,500 penalty minutes. And doing that in only 1,664 games is just shows you that, dog, he really was. So I've always been a big fan of Chris Chelios. I'm very happy for him. I respect him. I know a lot of people were a little indifferent when he said he would never go to the Red Wings, and he went to the Red Wings for 10 years after he left Chicago. I'm happy for him. Fantastic night. I got everything I possibly wanted to out of it, and then I was thinking, then you know, well, because he, he, he threw homage to Seabrook in his speech, and it made me think, like, is his number ever going to be retired? You think so? I'm not a hundred percent that it will, but I think it's more likely that it will because Chelios's number is retired, and you're going to do the same thing like they did with Pierre Palat and Keith Magnuson with number three being retired, right? I think. It, it's very tough for me. I love Seabrook; huge part of the Stanley Cup winning teams. Does he deserve to have his number retired? In your opinion,
0: I would, because I here's my thought on it. They were a dynasty, and I'm not very, I'm not conservative or liberal when it comes to retiring jersey numbers. I see both sides of the fence. I get it. Right. I think eighty-eight, nineteen, and two are locks from the dynasty. I agree. Those are three of the five best Blackhawks who ever lived. Um, And Keith... Keith is only a tick above Chelios. Chelios was amazing. You say only nine years? Nine years is a long time to be with one NHL team. It is,
1: but when he played twenty six, yeah, yeah, a majority, it didn't even come with the Hawks.
0: He wanted to stay in Chicago, though. When he said, "I'm not playing for Detroit," I believe that he meant it at the time. 100%. And then when you're traded, what are you going to do? Big
1: rivals back then, too.
0: Yeah, pro- huge, big, the biggest, like and it's and who, than who's Hawks
1: Blues or yeah.
0: Who who's going to say no, though, if he's traded to Detroit, is he going to be like, well, I'm retiring? No, he's going to go give it his best effort with the team that acquired him, the team that wants him now. Like, you know, he did nothing wrong. And uh, listen, I believe Seabrook deserves to have his number retired. I'm not saying Seabrook is Chelios. He's not. Uh, Seabrook was amazing. I don't think they win without him. He was a leader. I think they win zero cups without Brent Seabrook. I think there are five or six players they win zero cups without. It takes a whole team to win a Stanley Cup. You saw it with Colorado. The, the Nate Dog was in Colorado for how long until it took them to win the Stanley? It, it, you need multiple pieces, especially to win multiple cups. I think they win zero without Seabrook. So I'm okay with them also retiring seven with his name on it. It would not bother me in any way, shape, or form. Um Keith and Chelios are the two best defensemen in Blackhawks history, in my opinion. I would put Doug Wilson third, and then I would put Seabrook fourth. And, you know, you have to retire 88 and 19 and two. Those are like a given. But, yeah, I would retire. I would give thought to 50 and 10, too. And, like, there are people that think Yalmerson was just as important to the Blackhawks as Seabrook. You know, just a tick below him offensively, but maybe a tick above him defensively. So not more than a tick below them offensively, but about a tick above them defensively. And, you know, some people want all those num- numbers retired. You know, they were a dynasty. Lots of teams have done it. I, like who are the penguins going to retire? 87, 71, 58. They'll probably retire 29. You know, that's four of their core. The Hawks are probably going to do right around that number too. And I, I just, I loved the night. I'm happy. Chelios gave Seabrook a nod. Um, cause he deserves it too but a man what a what a legend it seems like chelios i saw a tweet that said chelios is every celebrity's favorite celebrity and it kind of felt true like there were people there
1: Everybody. and i was like
0: holy crap at Dude, all. They were
1: showing a ton of people.
0: Wayne Gretzky, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan sent in a video. Paul Canerco sent in a video. The Pearl Jam was there. Dennis
1: Rodman. Did you say Dennis Rodman? Yeah, Dennis Rodman. John McEnroe yeah, yeah. was there. McEnroe. Is.
0: Gretzky, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly. I, I mean, it was uh, the hockey world and the sports world, the Chicago sports scene just really, truly was all together, either in front of a TV or at the game on Sunday. It was so cool to see. I loved the people he chose to have on the ice with Ronick, and he had uh, Gary Suter, um, Bob Suter, who passed away a couple years ago. He was on the miracle on ice team. Um, and it's, you know, Bob Suter's Ryan Suter's dad. Gary's his uncle. He was on the ice and. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronick being there really really cool. Yeah. Uh you know his wife and kids it was just it was awesome. I the way he was able to speak to the crowd too and he kind of sounded like a natural. I kind of figured he'd be a natural. I mean, he's on ESPN. He does White Sox pre and post game show whenever they need a replacement and he just likes doing it. Um and you know just all the time he's available to be one of these people who puts his voice out there and he does a good job representing himself. So I had a great night with the ceremony. I thought it was awesome.
1: It was fantastic, VP. truly was an honorable, memorable moment that I'll never forget.
0: Absolutely. Um, it, it was crazy to me that, yes, and I see this a lot. People want Larmer's number 28 retired. I'm cool with that. You know, sometimes, I also think sometimes it's okay to cater to what fans want. Like if if a large enough portion of the fan base wants Steve Larmer's number retired, retire it. Retire it. Retire it. just do it. Who cares? Um, I There's you a know ton. Yeah. And I you know, I'm like I said, I'm not conservative or liberal with retiring numbers. I would retire the big three. I would give it to Seabrook, and then I would probably do Crawford. I think Yalmerson and Sharp. Probably just a tick below Jersey retirement number, maybe like a ring of honor or something. But, you know, if it w- I, I believe they could win multiple cups without Sharp. I'll, I'll say it. He was great. He scored 30 goals. He, he was a sniper. He was awesome. But could they have had Phil Kessel instead and won three cups? Yes, I think they could have. Could have they have had Phil Kessel instead of Jonathan Taves? No, absolutely not. Kane, no, absolutely not. Keith was the best defenseman in the league for seven years. Really, he had the only competition. Eric Carlson reached a peak offensively that no other defenseman of his time did. And Drew Doughty was probably right there with Keith fighting for the best defenseman in the league. And there's a reason they combined for five cups. You know, you got guys like that, you can win. Um, and so, yeah, those would probably be the four that I retire from the dynasty. But getting Chelios's number up there is good. I wouldn't hate seeing them retire Roenick, twenty-seven. Um, I know it bothers Ronick that it's not and that kind of bothers me and Johnny Oduya wore 27 through the Stanley Cup runs too so you know I don't know if it matters but I think it's uh, I think it's a very interesting conversation but Chelios to me man you can argue I don't think he's the best American ever I'd rank him third I would go Patrick Kane Mike Medano Chris Chelios that would be my ranking of the all-time greatest American players. And I think if Austin Matthews continues on the trajectory that he's on and he scores 800 goals or 900 goals, if he's in that Wayne Gretzky, Alexander Ovechkin territory, it's going to be him. But some people quantify Stanley Cups as personal achievement. I don't. Andrew Shaw has as many Stanley Cups as Jake Gensel. And we know Gensel's a significantly better player. There are probably even more legendary comparisons. Kopitar has two cups. So does Andrew Shaw, right? Like The Stanley Cups are just not the same measurement of personal. Like, you need a team. Alexander Ovechkin has one.
1: But what if you compare two legendary players, but one has more goals and one has more cups? Like Shaw and Gensel, they're like worlds apart. But if you compared, like, Kane and Matthews, and Kane had three cups. Matthews had none. Okay, that's but, fair. But then, like, then what do you do when you compare two guys like that?
0: Hundred percent. Like, who who would you rather have in their prime, though? Um, Datsuk or Taves? It's close. close. You're gonna say Taves Datsuk with a little bit was, of a bias, but well,
1: Datsuk was more offensively. He was more silky smooth.
0: There was a four year period quicker. where he was the second best player in the right. NHL.
1: I'd say Datsuk.
0: I, I think I would take Datsuk's best five years over Taves' best five years, but I would take Taves' career over Datsuk's oh, yeah. career.
1: Absolutely, that's and how. Probably. That's
0: exactly how I look at it. But, you know, oh my god, when remember when we played NHL 09 and like our first years watching hockey, I'm pretty sure Crosby was the best player in the game, and Datsuk was second.
1: Oh yeah, he was always a guy you'd go after, and GM connected, or you yeah. wanted to be the wings for that for that reason,
0: and. Datsuk won two Cups. Kane has three. Taves has three. Crosby and Malkin have three. I mean, yeah. Stanley Cups, they could be a nice tiebreaker when you're talking legendary status. But, like, would you rather be – whose career would you rather have? Malkin or Ovechkin? I'd rather – I don't know. Ovechkin's going to go down as a top 10 player. Malkin's going to go down as a
1: top 30 player. I think I'd rather Malkin. You'd rather Malkin, yeah. I, I honestly do. I think the I three would. Three cups? More fun. Capitals were never really fun. They were kind of like the bust. They'd lose in the first round. Like, yeah, yeah I had a great career.
0: Well, Ovech- Ovechkin's going to go down as the better player, I think. But it's a similar with Malkin's five best years versus Ovechkin's five best years. You got a couple 60-goal seasons, a couple 50-goal seasons for Ovi. But Malkin's tickling 110 points every season, you know, in his prime. There was a point where Malkin was the second-best player in the NHL, too. Probably when Datsuk started to fall off a little bit, that's when Malkin, like, really was that second. I've never seen a player get better when the best player on the team was taken off the team. Those two years where Sid dealt with his concussions, Uh Gino won heart trophies and scoring titles. Like, you know, but those are, to me, guys, you retire those. You build those guys' statues, right? Crosby and Malkin are going to have a statue outside of PPG Paints Arena in a couple years. They'll probably build a Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith statue. I honestly think they might. Um, the other guys retire their number, make a Ring of Honor, make a Blackhawk Hall of Fame, whatever you got to do. But Chelios was somewhere in the middle. He he was the best defenseman in the league while he was on the Hawks. Mm-hmm. I would say
1: two Norris's, I mean, two
0: Norris's, hard who, to do. Who was in his competition? I mean, Raymond Bork with the Bruins. Raymond Bork's the Bruins' all-time leading scorer. Not a lot of people probably even realize that a defenseman is their all-time leading scorer. Um, Lidstrom was oh, part was of that so part of that yeah Lid- lidstrom is like
1: another detroit guy
0: yeah that's a that's a borderline statue guy lidstrom i mean i'll never forget the fl- the save flurry made on lidstrom though was it the stanley cup final with the seconds winding down and winning the cup mm-hmm. and lidstrom had the open net and flurry dove across and made the save and the penguins won that was crazy he was a dog he was a dog um patrick kane was on the other side when Detroit came to town to retire um, Chalios' number. What did it feel like to see Patrick Kane without going into the game itself? And Chalios is calling him the greatest American ever. You see him on the other side taking warmies and all that, playing in the game, wearing the winged wheel. What went through your head?
1: It was weird. I mean, the video tribute that they gave to him, It's like I'm not going to talk about the game itself, but it took place during the game. Like it gave me all the feels and like Kane was a big part of my childhood. I watched the 2010 Stanley cup finals with my dad and seeing Kane score that goal. Like I had no idea what would stem from that. Like I was one of my first few years watching hockey. So I didn't really know a ton about Kane. And in a way, Kane and Taves, both of them really helped mold me into the hockey fanatic that I am today. He's, he was the first ever number one draft pick in Chicago Blackhawks history. They were never bad enough to be awarded or win the number one draft pick. And when they finally did, they got a franchise-altering player in Patrick Kane. You know, And he's not only a Chicago legend, but Kane's a hockey legend. Like, generations will talk about Patrick Kane for decades and decades to come. He's bigger than just Chicago, but he helped mold what Chicago hockey is what it is today and because of that like it brought a tear to my eye seeing him back on the other side because you know I would have never like thought of like oh hey Kane's on the other side of the ice right now he's you know playing for a different team so it's it, it was definitely a weird feeling because this was the first time he was back in Chicago as on the other team
0: it's been a while since a player as good as Patrick Kane returned to their former team Bergeron retired.
1: All right.
0: Brodeur played six games with the Blues, but that he retired. None of them right. were against the Devils. I'm trying to think of all these other all-time great legends that have retired recently. Lidstrom retired with the Red Wings. Um Joe Thornton. I don't he wasn't on Patrick Kane's level, didn't win Cups. Um, you know, just it's very it was probably the most acknowledgement and loudest ovation I've ever seen a returning player get in an NHL game before, because guys like that with, with the status that Kane has don't really return to their teams or their old teams often. And I thought it was awesome. I loved seeing it. He was, he was very into it. He wasn't, he was more emotional about it than I thought he was going to be. And I loved it. The video was well put together, and the crowd gave him a double standing ovation.
1: Yeah, did you hear what you probably heard what Kane said after the game about it?
0: Oh, about the bubble. That yeah, was so
1: funny, so funny.
0: <laughs> loved that. And Connor Bedard got a nice hit in on Patrick Kane, and Kane was probably like, "This mother."
1: Ooh, it's a new sheriff in town, Kane.
0: There is a new sheriff, and during the regulation, Frank, um, the Hawks stayed in the game. And when they were down 2-2, two, two, or when they actually got a lead, they were up 2-1 to one late in the third period. Who makes a big play? But the former two Blackhawks themselves, Patrick Kane, gets one on the stick of Alex debrinkit and debrinkit just kind of scores one from a odd angle, and the Red Wings tie it and force overtime. What were your thoughts on that goal? I mean, it was
1: just the, the Wickel, goal? DeBrinckit's goal or the overtime goal? The, the writing is on the wall, V.P like the two guys coming back to Chicago, like the game itself kind of went the way I expected. It's hard to expect the Hawks to win any specific games this season. When there's a special ceremony, it feels like no team ever has success after hosting a big pregame ceremony. So like, I would love to see the stats for the team's records following any pregame ceremonies or all that. But obviously if there's, a way for this game to go. It's going to be with Alex the scoring or Kane scoring. It's just, that's just the way it goes. That's how sports are.
0: 100%. I remember before Sunday, my all time favorite pregame ceremony was when the Devils retired Patrick Eliyash's number. Elias is very much like a European version of Chelios. He was into it. He was loud where Marty, when he gave his speech, he was very Marty Brodeur quiet into himself about it. Um, Elias was like into it. He gave a good speech. It was like an hour-long ceremony. I loved every second of it. Uh, Chelios passed it, I think, because of it just had even more Mm flair. But the Devils won that game where they retired Patrick Elias. They were playing the Islanders, and the Islanders were up 1-0 almost the whole game. And then in the third period, Taylor Hall made a play. He dropped it back for Kyle Palmieri, who did not miss, and they ended up winning the game. Um, it was, it was incredible, but you're right. Most of the time, other than that teams don't win, but the Hawks just, they, they're just a bad team. So it's hard to evaluate whether after or not
1: they won the cup, any banner raising. I don't think they ever won a, a banner. Raising well, I could,
0: they, they did once they beat Washington. The one season they did came they? back, they raised their banner. Yeah.
1: I know the Kings struggled too, after they won yep. the cup, it's yep. just, it's so like, the emotions are there. You're not into the game of hockey. You're more into the fields.
0: For sure. And, of course, they get to overtime. And we see number 88 gets on a breakaway. And it felt like it was in slow motion. It felt like the whole world was just – it stopped for 10 seconds. I would have bet everything I own that Kane was going to score that goal. And he did. Patrick Kane in overtime. Showtime, baby. Showtime. What went through your head?
1: Well, first of all, before that happened, Connor Bedard had a breakaway, and in the third period, I believe, or was it overtime? Was it the third period? It was overtime. I, it was. Are you sure?
0: Wait. What, what?
1: Connor Bedard had a breakaway. Was it the third period or was it overtime? I was oh. trying to figure this out with Tom, and we couldn't figure no, it out.
0: No, it was definitely the third
1: period. I think it was the third period, like yeah. near the end, though. Like if he yeah. scores, they're probably going to win the game. Yeah. So Connor Bedard has a breakaway. And when Bedard missed that breakaway goal, like I said, you know, the, the writing's just on the wall for the rest of the game. Patrick Kane, of all people, gets a breakaway in overtime. And honestly, that was the most poetic ending of a hockey game you could ever have. And May Go Down is one of the most poetic endings of all time. Like, I think that goal. Will be on a lot of YouTube top 10 videos for how poetic it was. This will be talked about for ages, VP. Like, people, like, you're never gonna forget him scoring that goal. Like, I always say, sports are poetry. You couldn't have written a better ending to the game. And I, in that moment, I wasn't mad. I had no ill intent towards Kane. I never will. I was happy for him, and I was. It was like everything came together. Like, of course, I want the Hawks to win, but if you're writing a story for viewers, rating, entertainment, stars, whatever it may be, that was the perfect ending you could have to a game.
0: I agree. I it was absolutely correct. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find if I could find the exact moment where Connor Bedard had the breakaway.
1: Jules. In chat says it was the third period. It was definitely late in the third period for sure. I was like pissed because I knew like, all right, if he scores this, then they're going to win the game, obviously. Maybe not, though. You never know with the Hawks. They choke a lot of leads, even if there's only a couple minutes left in the game. But it's like your old face of the franchise and new face of the franchise. When your new face of the franchise missed, you knew something was going to bite him in the ass. So, But, yeah. What a game. You couldn't have wrote it any better. Yeah, absolutely. I
0: I think uh I think it was one of the best games of the season. Um it made me feel everything I like about hockey. Emotional, um like intense about the moment of the game and then the way it ended was like like your favorite word and people are making fun of you in the chat. Like freaking poetry. It, it was is, poetry.
1: Though. It is. There's no other word for it.
0: And I like When Patrick Kane had the breakaway, I had, like, an intrusive thought. I was like, I hope he scores. Like, I wanted him to freaking put it in the net right there and because it would just create the best story. It would, you know, root for radio, they say. Root for radio. I was
1: rooting for radio in that sense. And Notorious TBG is 100% right. Like, you saw Blackhawks fans standing up. There was no ill will towards him at all. And like Aldo says, Kane's ending is still coming. I I do partially agree with that. I don't think his time in Chicago is over. I I really don't. I'm not saying he's gonna come in win a cup with the Hawks, but there will be his. I do think there will be an opportunity to bring Kane back in his final year. I do. I really do. That's very fair. I if
0: I were him I'd wait, like really wait. Like,
1: I'm not saying anytime soon. It could be five years. Well,
0: he's only got three or four like years left. I mean, probably, but you know he's 35. He's I don't know if he's a 42 year old player because he has, he's not chasing anything. Like he's got everything he's need you know, can win in the NHL. He's been an MVP. He's won a scoring title. He's won the cup three times. He's been a Conn Smythe trophy winner. There are all sorts of things that have worked out in his favor over the years. Kyle said when he didn't bring back Tays and Kane, that it would be hard for him to be a person in the room and allow Bedard to take over. I don't agree. I don't agree at all. Um, I think he would be really good for Conor Bedard, Um, especially now. This is probably the last year that they could truly tank and the fan base not care. I think if they were shit next year, they'd start to hear it. Kyle's seat would start to get hot. Luke's seat would start to get hot. Those are the types of things that people can only deal with for so long. Macklin Celebrini is a very good player. He, he's probably going to be the number one. He, no, he is going to be the number one overall pick. He's second in the nation in goals, third in points. He's one of the best college hockey freshmen of all time. Um, you know, he's going to come in and be a really good NHL player. If I were him, I'd go back to school one more year, but he'll probably play in the NHL next year. Um, after that, it's like, okay, it's you have your top two centers for a decade, maybe more. Go out and sign somebody. Try to get Elias Pettersson. Try to get so-and-so. Make a play for Jake Gensel when he hits free agency. You can't be this bad again next year. Patrick Kane coming back is something that I think could be considered. Um, No signs of slowing down. He's got 30 points in 28 games so far this season. So it's not like he's been – he looks healthy. He looks real healthy.
1: I'd be stunned if they're this bad. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year, but if they're this bad – there are issues
0: no arizona think of arizona montreal this year we Um, need to start
1: answering questions if they're that like if they're that bad
0: yeah arizona or montreal this year that's the hawks next year maybe they they might look bad if they're like the fifth worst team in the league but the difference between the fifth worst team in the league and the worst team in the league is like 15 20 points right now
1: i keep saying twenty twenty six. Is going to be the year that they'll have a chance to make the playoffs, legitly. Yeah, I a bubble team they, at minimum. Yes, they and will. And if they're have, on the
0: outside looking in, that doesn't they, mean there's not improvement.
1: I said I keep saying one more year of this, one more year, and then we could start talking about potential playoff runs, pushes. I re, I wholeheartedly believe that.
0: So you don't think Gavin McKenna has a chance to be the Blackhawks? Black I think zero percent. I agree. <laughs> I think the team Gavin McKenna plays for could even be a bubble team right now.
1: Could be the penguins, like penguins,
0: Washington. Um, oh what if we went to like the Islanders? The Islanders, yeah. Even though I mean, I, they
1: might not be that bad, but yeah,
0: I I feel like they're they kind of locked themselves into mediography with Bo Horvat's contract and Barzell.
1: But in and, a couple of years, dude, if you have Celebrini, Oliver Moore, Frank Nazar, all these guys are coming together. It's just I, I smell it 2026. 20, yeah. That like... could
0: be that could be a reason they don't take too big of a step next year, though. Think of the best rookies in the league this year. By the end of the year, they'll have 35, 40 points max. Like besides Bedard.
1: You're saying next year.
0: Those guys next year will be young rookies right, learning the way. Right. They're, they're not gonna
1: win a lot of games. That's why I'll win, I don't win don't more than this gonna... year, maybe. That's why that I don't think they're gonna be a playoff team, but 2026, 20, yeah. that's the year we start to cook a little bit. Fish grease and all
0: fish grease.
1: Was that a top three hockey game of the season? It probably is the best one um, to be honest with you. I mean, in my opinion, the way the game ended, if you're looking for pure entertainment, there's not a lot of memorable Blackhawks games of the year as it is. If you remember a game for a prolonged period of time, past one season through the end of the season or whatever, it's got to be a candidate for one of the best games of the year. And people are going to remember this game for a very long time. It'll be 40 years from now. And people are going to be, remember Kane's return to Chicago and he scored the overtime. Like this is going to be talked about forever. And because of that clear as day has to be the best game of the year.
0: Yeah. It wasn't the highest. It won't be the highest rated because it wasn't on national TV, but I'm pretty sure right now the highest rated games this season are the two stadium series games. And then third is Bedard's debut. Yeah. against the boston bruins and then fourth is the winter classic the winter classic is not the highest rated game for the first time since it was a thing in 08, 09 or 0708 i guess it was the crosby buffalo one um but yeah and tomorrow they're on national tv again they're on espn when they take on the avalanche it's like oh bedard and the They'd nate dog it. and kale mccarr you know it it doesn't matter that the Hawks are terrible. It's Bedard, Kale McCarr, and Nathan McKinnon. That's why it should have been the Winter Classic next year. Um, but I, I'm excited that it's on national TV and this team is a, one that people want to watch.
1: Yeah, for sure. I got a lot of people in my corner right now. Notorious says McKenna to the Islanders.
0: Wouldn't that be something? Folks says he
1: agrees with me. 2026. 20, I mean, back, now are you 20 saying 25
0: 26 or 26 27?
1: No, 25. 26, because next season will be 24, 25, 25, 26. We start to cook. We're cooking.
0: Kyle, Kyle said five years. This is year two. So you think he's a year ahead of schedule?
1: Yeah, I think year four. When
0: he said five years, Connor Bedard wasn't in the mix yet. He probably assumed there was a chance, but it's only a chance.
1: And there we go. And Bedard is that good to speed it up a year.
0: That's fair. And I mean, if they got Macklin Celebrini too. Woo! Here's the thing watch the Devils play the Sharks yesterday. That is a bad hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that,
1: they're still better than the Hawks. That
0: is an atrocious. I don't know, Frank. I, I don't mean, agree. I, th- I
1: mean, in the standings, I'm saying.
0: In the standings, they're right there. Bedard missed 11 games. If Bedard's in those 11 games, I think the right. Hawks, the San Jose Sharks are What did
1: we Hawks prove team. last year? We don't need the number one.
0: He sure and Hughes at seven points combined.
1: If we, we don't need the that's, best odds. If we have to do it from two, that's fine. That's fair. We'll do it that's again. We'll, they'll show you. No sweat.
0: If the Hawks don't win it, I hope Montreal wins it. I want Celebrini and Hudson to go from playing with each other at BU to playing with each other in a Canadian market. Oh, my God. That that,
1: that would be cool. Well, you know, JP doesn't want Montreal to win it. <laughs> Hell
0: no, he don't want Montreal to win it. But imagine if Montreal went Celebrini-Zazuki down the middle, 1-2. And then you start plugging in wingers, Cole Caulfield, this guy, that guy. On defense, you have Lane Hudson as their number one or number two. Um, maybe they find a goalie. Oh yeah, sign me up for Montreal winning the lottery too. They'd be in, they'd be near the top of my list of teams I want to get it for sure. Wow. Um,
1: I only have one team on my list.
0: Well, I, I would pick them too. You know, I've I've watched Celebrini. I watched Celebrini considerably more than I watched Bedard, only because. I couldn't just open my computer and throw on a Regina Pats game last season. Right. Um, I could pretty much watch any BU game I want, and I have taken advantage of that this year. So we shall see. Be
1: interesting.
0: Um, there's other Hawk to talk about, Frank. We're doing that in period number two. <laughs> Dallas. Stars.
1: Dallas. Okay. You like the Dallas Stars?
0: I do like the Dallas Stars. When I was younger, Jamie Ben was probably a top ten favorite player of mine because it was cool to see a power forward win the scoring title. Yep. That rarely happens. Most of the scoring title winners are these finesse, good skating guys, and Jamie Ben. It was a down year for scoring in the NHL. What did Ben have? Like 87 points that year? Mm-hmm. There are like three players with more than 87 points right now in February. Isn't that, wait, that's crazy. I, that just kind of hit me right as I was saying it. Ben won the scoring title in 14, was it 14, 15 or 13, 14 with 87 points and right now Nikita Kucherov, Nathan McKinnon, and Connor McDavid all have more than 87 points already, and it's February 28th. Pasternak is too short of it with 85.
1: Isn't that crazy? And
0: JT Miller has 81, Panarin 79, Nylander 79, Matthew 79. There are at least 20 players who are going to blow past 87 points this season. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Well, it was a down year for scoring in the NHL, but, you know, Lundquist, Price, Rask, Quick, Crawford. The goaltending isn't it's not what it was at all. Well, um, kind
1: of like in a down swing for goalies, goalies, very much so.
0: And I think I think there's more elite forwards than there ever was to. Because even the it's harder to age out of the league now if you're truly elite, because That's fair. Like the guys coming in were just a, such good skaters. So even as they're getting older, they maintain good skaters. Mm-hmm. Being being a super fast, a super shifty skater wasn't a requirement the way it is now 20, 30 years ago. I'm not saying they were bad skaters. They were better skaters. Those guys will all be better skaters at 80 than I will be at now. But I do think um, today's skaters are just a little bit different, and it allows them to continue on and play longer. And so that's creating there to be more, you know, elite talent in the league right now, like Crosby. How is Crosby still one of the 10 best players in the NHL at 36 years old? It's just insanity to me.
1: It is. It really is. So, and you know, I'm,
0: I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And there's more good young talent coming up every day. Um, Every team, every team has at least one elite player. That's super fun to watch every game, no matter what, except for San Jose. I was trying to figure out yesterday Hurdle. He's not. It's fun to watch. He's not upper echelon top tier talent. Yeah. He's like, he's a top six forward. He's good. Hurdle is not. Dude, Duclair leads the Sharks in goals with 15. Chill on Hurdle. He's Hurdle's, fine. I, he's I enjoy good, Hurdle. He, uh, me too. He's a good player. He, the Sharks don't. They're the only team in the league without an elite player. Hurdle's not elite. Oh, that's crazy. I like would I would be elite
1: though if he was on a different team.
0: Perhaps, but no. I don't I don't think elite is the right word. Very good. Very good and elite are two totally That's different things.
1: That's interesting. I'm um, looking
0: at every team. I'm like, okay, Bedard's elite. Um, Zegris has elite talent. It hasn't turned into elite production yet, but he he's got elite talent. Yeah, who would be elite on the ducks though? I think. Zegris has elite talent, and I think McTavish has the potential to be elite. Yeah, I guess you could probably put the Ducks in like a similar, but way more than San Jose, though. I'll take my odds with them over the Sharks, and they have eight more points in the standings. Um, The the Blue Jackets have Johnny Hockey, and I do think Fantilli will be elite. Um, Arizona, Keller's elite. Um, schmaltz is very good. Um, and I think the world of Logan Cooley as a rookie, he could be elite in a couple years, Ottawa, Brady, Kachuk, Montreal, Suzuki, and we'll see what happens. And Cole Caulfield could be elite. Do you like Tom's comment? Uh, if Duclair leads anybody and yeah, the sharks are bad, dude. I watched them for an entire game last night. I don't watch sharks games as I did when they were good. The Sharks are one of the most fun teams in the league to watch when they're good. That's a fact. The Shark Tank is unreal. But my God, the, the Devils are playing so poorly this season for their standards. And they looked like the avalanche against them yesterday. That, they looked like last year's team last night. He and Hughes were dancing around. They, had, they didn't have a care in the world. Timo Meyer was a beast. Dawes looked like <laughs> O'Durwa and Hassock combined. Um, Luke Hughes and Nemitz were dancing around everybody. Brennan Smith, Kevin Ball, and Colin Miller all scored goals. These defensive defensemen, that is a bad team in San Jose. A bad it's, team. It's not a good one, dude. They're up. The number one, my, I, I think Will Smith is the best college player right now. It's close between him, Celebrini, and Cutter Gautier. Those are the big three in college right now, and Will Smith leads them all in points. That is a strong player right there. They they will build around him. He will be the best player in short order. They are a
1: big cutter guy. You
0: know, cutter's amazing. You but don't like his attitude, though. Loser. No, it's not even. I just think it's loser mentality. to Be like, I'm not playing for the team that drafted for me. It's fair. But I, I don't think he's not an elite player. It just wouldn't shock me if a guy with that type of loser mentality was a no show in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Yeah seems to be the way things go we'll see how he plays in anaheim um but this all got to us we were starting from the dallas stars yep jamie ben tyler sagan's out for a while they could put him on long-term injured reserve that frees up nine million dollars for them ahead of the trade deadline then boom first game of the playoffs all of a sudden he'll be magically healthy um that probably is going to be the route they go they got smoked by colorado yesterday yeah but they're tied for first in the Central Division with the Winnipeg Jets. They tra- they're they trailed by Colorado by two points. It's a three-horse race atop the division, but all three of them are locks to be the top three teams in the division. Minnesota's not going to catch them. Um, are they the least talked-about elite team you can ever remember?
1: Yeah, and that's because they're in a tiny slump. They've been really bad lately. They're 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10. They've lost six of their last seven. All their losses in that stretch, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, were to fairly good teams. The only team that wasn't too great was the Ottawa Senators. But the team right now does not look like a Stanley Cup championship winning team. They do not look elite. This this core has been lacking scoring, which is weird, right? Because they have a ton of scoring depth and a ton of options to score, but none of them are. They've only scored seven goals in their past five games. They're like on Blackhawk territory with those numbers. I mean, they need to figure this out quick because this team preseason was a Stanley Cup contender. Right now, they haven't looked like it.
0: Yeah, that's crazy how they've fallen off a little bit in the last handful of games. I still think they have everything they need to win the Cup.
1: Mm-hmm. They've just got to play better. They just need to score. They're not finding ways to score. It's not their goaltending really hasn't been bad. Besides, I mean, they've had a fair few blowout losses recently, but their goaltending hasn't been terrible.
0: No, and I like their defense. They have all the skill up front. It's just an underrated team. And even before this slump, I just feel like nobody talked about them. And like if we blink our eyes and they're in the Stanley Cup final in June, would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. But, you know, I think this, there are six teams in the West that any of them could come out. I kind of think the wild card in the West is a little weaker compared to other years. We've seen wild card teams create upsets. The only wild card team in the West that's in the mix, it could be any of these six teams in the wild card race. The only one that one not pro- shock me if they went on a run once the playoffs started is the Kings, mm-hmm. who had a struggle. They fired their coach. But they seem to be playing a little better lately. A lot of injuries. Three of their top six wingers out right now. Um, so that's going to be tough to see if they can navigate that. That could ultimately lead them missing the playoffs. But like Nashville, eh. Calgary, eh. St. Louis, eh. Minnesota, eh. Seattle, eh. And then there's a 10-point drop-off to Arizona. So it'll mm-hmm. be one of those six teams in the wild card race. But it's the six teams holding division spots right now. I would, I would venture to guess. I would put my money... On one of Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton. One of those six teams represents the West in the Stanley Cup final. I would put pretty much everything I have on it. Wow.
1: Yeah. Sam again?
0: Um, Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche, Vancouver Canucks, Vegas Golden Knights, Edmonton Oilers. One of those teams will represent the West in the Stanley Cup final. Um, Jules wants to know Rangers over under six and a half tonight or any other better options. Gotta wait. Oh, 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 okay. Stay tuned for breaking bets. Jules. Yeah. Jules. Okay. I have a take on, they ask if, uh, any other options for tonight. I have a take on the other game between the St. Louis blues and the Edmonton Oilers. Stay tuned to breaking bets to hear that. Um, Frank. Normally, our buddy, our pal, our cousin, our brother, Joey Parisi, is all about the Boston Bruins and thinking they could do no wrong and never says anything negative about them whatsoever. Um, yeah. For the first time in my life, he asked me, I, I was so taken back by it, I like couldn't believe what came out of his mouth. I was like genuinely shocked when he asked me this question. Like I felt a sense of wow when I heard this come out of his mouth. We're on the phone, talking about nonsense, and all of a sudden he goes, serious as can be, it's not a joke. He meant it. Are the Bruins frauds? I was like, come again. <laughs> are the are the Bruins what? They're winning the cup every year, according to you. And then, you know, they have the best season ever choking the first round. And then, okay. Oh, it doesn't matter that Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are both retiring in the same off season. Are the Bruins frauds? What? If he's questioning that, the biggest Bruins homer of all time. I'm thinking to myself, is he honest? Like, what, it, what am I missing? And then I look at the standings. The Bruins are tied for first in the Atlantic Division. How could you be frauds if you're in first place of your division, especially one as dominant as the Atlantic Division? If the Devils miss the playoffs, the Atlantic is sending five teams to the playoffs. The only way the Metro can get that fourth team in is if the Devils find a way in. Uh That's not even necessarily true either, because the Devils can catch the Flyers, bump them out, and the Atlantic still sends five teams. That's actually probably more likely Um, if the Devils were to do it. I'm not saying they're going to, but, you know, out of the two scenarios, that's the most likely, I would say, Mm -hmm. right now. Okay, what does he mean? They are 34-12-14. and Yeah, They have lost in overtime 14 times. I'm like, they got so many extra loser points. Them and the Islanders, but the Islanders, like, you know, they're out of the playoffs the Bruins are tied for first in the best division in the league yeah I and I'm
1: thinking are the Bruins frauds I present the question to you well it's the first thing I was going to mention with the Bruins right now is they can't win a game that goes past 60 minutes their last six games have gone to either overtime or a shootout which is crazy and they're one in five in those games so, yeah, you're picking up points in the standings, but I really don't think the Bruins are worried about picking up points in OT point right now because they basically got a playoff spot clinched unless, I mean, they want a historically bad run. They just need to switch things up, I think, in overtime. Uh, like, whatever worked last year in overtime, switch it up a bit. Like, I'm not going to lie. Their scoring depth worries me a little bit as well. David Posternak has been sensational this year, but the rest of the team is all under point per game. I mean. Brad Marshawn, he's been a great scorer this year, but where have all his assists gone? He's used to getting 50 or, 50 or so assists per season, and he's only got 28 so far this year. So it seems like he's a little under pace as well. He's going to finish with potentially a career low in assists. Like, and I love what Charlie Coyle's been this year, setting career stats, and he's still got 20-plus games to go. I mean, that's what happens when you have to step up in a bigger role as a center with Bergeron off the team. But we've also seen a lot of regression from Allmark this year. He's having a great year, don't get me wrong, but when you compare him to what they did last year, the goaltending duo, I mean, it was historic. You're not going to be that good again this year. You're not going to do what you did uh, last year. So when you compare the two side-by-side, of course things are going to look a lot worse this year. But I don't think this team necessarily fits the term fraud, but they definitely have some scoring depth issues to address. And you can't expect this team to be a mirror image of what you saw last year. I just think you got to switch things up in three-on-three overtime or whatnot. Like, come playoffs, it's five-on-five. You don't got to worry about it. But do those problems in three-on-three and your overtime problems that you have, does that translate long-term into five-on-five five five on overtime play in the playoffs? Maybe. So there's definitely things that need to be addressed, but I don't think they fit the term fraud.
0: They're close, I'll say it, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, they go to overtime a lot, and it's good to get to overtime. It's not three on three overtime in the playoffs; it is five on five. But guess what? Do you know the Bruins have the least amount of time, or they are have the yeah the least amount of time trailing of any team in the NHL?
1: I think Joey told me that. Do you I know what that I, means? I think I knew that.
0: That means they blow a lot of leads late. They give up tying goals in the final 10 minutes of the game a lot. Yeah, that's bad. It's bad. If you do that in the playoffs and you go to overtime and the other team has momentum, I don't care if it's five on five or a hundred on a hundred or one on one. That is not good. I think I knew that. Teams that tie it late in the playoffs go on to win in overtime a lot. Yeah, I would say it's probably over 50%. So I... I am very worried about the Bruins. They will get smoked by the Leafs if they enter the playoffs or one of the wild card teams if they, they get smoked. If they don't address the center ice position. Yeah. If you Coil. run Coyle's been great. Coyle's been great, but if you run into the playoffs with Coyle as your one C and he's got Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, uh Bert, or Bertuzzi, I think is probably three C for them. Uh, the Leafs are perennial chokers. I told you I'd never put my faith in them again if they lost in the first round last year. They didn't lose in the first round last year. So that is done. I don't have to feel that way. If I feel they'll win a series this year, I'll pick them. But where last year, if they would have lost in the first round last year, they could have been playing a high school team and I would have picked (laughs) again, but they didn't do that. They saved themselves. Um, As we stand right now, I would pick the Leafs because they, the Leafs are deep down the middle. They're not great on defense. Their goaltending is eh, but they are deep down the middle, and teams win by being deep down the middle in the playoffs. The Bruins are not. Um, if the Leafs played Florida, I'd pick I'd pick Florida against anybody. Right now, they're probably my Cup team from the East, but you, the Bruins certainly aren't going to beat Florida if they're not deep down the middle. If they they need to do something, I know. Man, I would love to see them trade for Sidney Crosby. That would be like the ideal. But like that, with that not happening, go get someone. Do something. Adam Henrique, um, Kevin Hayes, something. One of these guys are going to be available. You have to go get a center if you're the v- Bruins. He's
1: sweating. Uh, he just I'm not wants them to get a center.
0: They need a center. Bad. <laughs> Bad. Pasternak drives too much of their offense. And I'm not saying Pasternak should like slow down. Right. But like they played the other night. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank on who they were playing the other night when they went to overtime. Was it Seattle? Um, it was Seattle. It was the Kraken. Yeah. Pasternak had two goals, and then he scored a third one. We thought, and we see that uh, through replay, it wasn't a hat trick. It was Charlie Coyle got a little piece of it, and but Pasternak drove the offense. He got the, you know, he put the puck past the goalie off of Coyle. Um, if Pasternak's yep. not driving offense, they're not scoring as much as they That's should. True. Do. Um and Marshan's assists were always going to come down a little bit without having Bergeron. I'm not really surprised at his regression of, you know, assists being down a little bit. Um, but his goal scoring is right where it needs to be. So you know we'll see what happens in that case. But eh, burns they're I'm not saying they're in trouble, but they they, got they definitely aren't perfect like they were last year at all. I have a question for you. Go ahead. How do you feel about Matt Rempe?
1: Well, (laughs) he's played in five games, 32 penalty minutes. Dude's a madman. Like, you need guys on your team who could step in, defend players, take some fights, change the momentum of the game. But Matt Rempe seems like he's just a different breed of human. He doesn't get a lot of ice time as it is. I believe he only averages four minutes of ice time per game. Meaning if he's out there on the ice, you know, he's just going to get in a fight with somebody. And he was a sixth round pick in 2020. He wasn't projected to be anything special. He wasn't going to be a superstar. So he's just kind of living his dream of being in the NHL, like he stated himself. I mean, he's become a fan favorite in New York and the media has been buzzing around him. And I got to be honest, some of the fights he's been in, some of the fights he's been in have been brutal against him. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look at that. That's just brutal. But, hey, kid, at least you made it to the NHL, right?
0: I feel bad for him.
1: Why do you feel bad for him? He's embracing it.
0: He's, He's going to have CTE by 30 if he keeps this up.
1: That's just what he does. That's just... he,
0: they, the Rangers cannot keep putting him in this position. They have to have him. You cannot get your head caved in. He looks like a freaking cartoon character right now, it's, dude.
1: It's bad. It's bad.
0: That, I'm sorry. You have four minutes of ice time? I've always been vocal. I don't. I don't care about fighting in the NHL anymore. Like it's fun every now and again. I think there's a time and a place for it. This guy's fighting just to fight. Go in the UFC then. If, yeah, and, if yeah. uh, there's a difference between a hockey fight and a street fight in the NHL, Matt Rempe has been in four street fights. Like, and he's gotten his <laughs> ass beaten majority of them. And you just can't be twenty. Your brain is still developing until you're forty years old. You cannot take punches to the face like that every single day and expect to, A, live a long time, B, live without CTE, C, not have concussions. I mean, Frank, this literally looks like a cartoon character. This oh. looks not real. Like, I some people like fighting in hockey. It's cool. There, There's time and a place for it. I love a good line brawl. But, like, every single game averaging four minutes of ice time and you have 32 penalty minutes in five games already. That's crazy you know he has more penalty minutes than time on ice <laughs> i know that is not good for his long-term health and the it's rangers crazy. should be very concerned about it he cannot keep doing he it will not last he will not be in the league longer than a year if he keeps this up biz didn't fight that much revo didn't fight that much lucic didn't fight that much once every six games once every seven games fine you know six seven eight fights a season this dude He's got like he's got like a good Luchich season in a week. It's just not going to last. If he if he wants to have a long career, if the Rangers want to get something out of this guy,
1: I say he doesn't get a fight tonight.
0: If he gets in a fight tonight, I'd be concerned. I think, if they, I had had his a, I think
1: they had a conversation with him. That's just my feeling.
0: I, I mean, look at does. him. He looks like freaking an eight. Like uh, <laughs> I saw a picture. It was like a gremlin from um Lord of the Rings or something I can't remember exactly what it was but like and they, it was side by side with Matt Rempe and it was like a little bit a little bit too much for me uh am I'm, I'm very medium on fighting I'd rather watch guys make sick plays and stuff like that um I do understand like you know if a guy gives your goalie a, a shower beat him up fine whatever if if you if your captain gets hit in the head, or if Jack Hughes, if Connor Bedard gets his jaw broken, you got to fight the guy who does it. I get of that. Course. Of course. And and you know what, Brennan Smith, the hit on Connor Bedard was clean. It broke no rules. He got no penalties for it. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to have his ass kicked. You hit our star, we're gonna kick your ass, whether it's clean or not. I get that. That part of hockey I like. It's the staged fighting that like is gonna cave in Matt Rempe's brain. That I'm like. I don't know
1: about that. It, it was rough for sure. I, for sure. I mean, I don't think he gets in a fight tonight. If he does, then the Rangers don't care about him. I exactly. Mean, like
0: couldn't you have at
1: least a talk. I mean Yes.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Frank. Um, I wanted to give a quick college hockey update and then you can react to what I say. Go for it. So last week was just magnificent in the game of college hockey and things are getting real good as the tournaments are going to start to heat up here soon. We're going to get the big 10 tournament, the hockey East tournament, all of it's going to start in a couple weeks as we lead up to this, the 16 teams that are selected to compete in the tournament. And then ultimately lead up to the frozen four Um, right now, Boston university and Boston college are the two best teams in the nation. It's really not particularly close. Boston college is ranked number one. Boston university is ranked number two on almost every list in the world. Of course, Boston College is led by that great freshman line of Will Smith, Gabe Perot, and Ryan Leonard. Perot will be a member of the New York Rangers. Smith will probably be the Sharks' leading scorer of the next decade. And Ryan Leonard's going to score a lot of goals for the Capitals. When you look at the college hockey scoring leaders, Will Smith is number one with 51 points, and Gabe Perot is number two with 50 points. And then their line mate, Ryan Leonard, he's not up there in points, but he's third in the nation in goals with 23. So he's the sniper of the line. And then you look at their depth on the team while well, their actual best player right now could even be cutter Gautier, who centers an entirely different line altogether. He leads the nation in goals with 29. Johnny Goudreau is the last Boston college Eagle to score 30 or more goals in a season when he had 36 in 2013, 14 and, I think, I don't know if Cutter's going to score 36, but he'll break 30 and be the first to do so since Johnny Hawk did it in his last season at BC. Um, the depth on this beat, Boston, universe, Boston College team, excuse me, is absolutely unreal. Then you flip it over to Um, Boston university, we already talked about Macklin Celebrini, the projected number one overall pick in the 2024 NHL draft. He's third in the country with 48 points and he's off the lead by three points. So if he ends up leading the nation in points as a freshman, I think you could throw the Hobie Baker in his back pocket. No problem. He might win it anyway. Um, he's also second in goals with 26. He's three off of cutter Gauthier of Boston college's lead. So if he ends up leading the nation in goals, I don't know if that's necessarily possible because Cutter Gautier is going to keep scoring already as a three-goal lead. Boston University is going to be an absolute wagon to deal with in the playoffs, especially with Lane Hudson creating plays for them on defense. Then you start to think about the teams that could challenge these two great Boston teams, and you know anything could happen last year. We all thought Michigan was going to win last year when they had Luke Hughes and um, – Adam Fantilli, like they were a wagon. Well, they ended up being upset by Quinnipiac in the championship game of the Frozen Four, and you know what? Quinnipiac is a threat to repeat once again. They don't have any super-duper stars that you think are going to go to the NHL and just dominate next year, but they are, they play a solid team game, a well-coached team, and, yeah, they're going to enter this tournament thinking that they have a chance to win the whole damn thing. The definitive third-best team, though, Frank, in college hockey right now is North Dakota. And it's been five or six years since North Dakota was this good. When we first started watching hockey, we were used to North Dakota being the best team, best program. Number one. I mean, Zach Parisi went there. Jonathan Taves went there. TJ. Oshie went there. Brock Besser went there. Once Brock Besser's class kind of moved off. um, I'm trying to remember uh, Drake, something Drake on the Blackhawks. Um, Drake Kajula. Kajula, He was the captain of North Dakota. Good. Good pull, Frank Drake Kajula. He was an, he ended up being a middling NHL player for a while. He got a little bit of a career in there. I don't think he lasted too long. Yeah. Played, with the, played with the Oilers for a little bit after the Blackhawks. But, or was it before the Blackhawks? I don't remember. It was the Oilers and the Hawks he mostly played for, but he was the captain of North Dakota. They were awesome. Well, the last handful of years, there, uh, there's this ho- college hockey blue blood that just isn't involved in getting chances to go deep. This team could go real deep. They are very, very good. North Dakota is back. They are definitely the best team in their conference right now. And then it sure is. And then my last point is the Big Ten. I already touched on Michigan. There's no Luke Hughes or Adam Fantilli anymore, but Gavin Brindley's still there, and they have a lot of really good depth on that Michigan team. They're probably, though, only the fourth best Big Ten team. Um, Michigan State is the highest ranked, and Wisconsin's right there, too. Both completely deep teams remind me of Quinnipiac not a lot of guys are going to go be NHL stars next year Wisconsin had a lot of second round picks last year and these guys will probably be pretty good depth players once they get to the NHL but in college they're unreal but the most notable team in the Big Ten even though they're not the highest ranked that's Michigan State right now I think the chance for the deepest playoff run right now is Minnesota because they have Oliver Moore who was a first round pick and they have Sam Renzel who's just absolutely unbelievable And then, of course, our guy Jimmy Snuggerud, the St. Louis Blues prospect, we saw him dominate in the World Junior Championships for the gold medal-winning team USA back in uh, December and yeah, December and January. It was a good run for Snuggerud. That Minnesota team is unreal. I really think there's a world where the four best blue bloods in college hockey right now: Boston University, Boston uh, College. North Dakota and Minnesota. If those were the final four teams, I would not even be surprised. And those are the big four all time in college hockey. In my opinion, they're my favorite four. even though I love everybody. I want everybody to succeed. If everybody could succeed, I would allow it um, just because I want college hockey to be great. But those teams right now are just so much fun to watch. And I can't wait for the tournament.
1: Yeah. When does it start?
0: It'll be in April. Remember, remember last year. It's at the tail end
1: of March madness.
0: Yeah. Like, when the Devils were playing the Rangers in that playoff series, yeah, it was already over. But um the week leading up to it, when the Devils played the Bruins in a second-to-last regular season game or whatever, and yeah. we had that birthday party for Joey, that was the night where Quinnipiac beat Michigan. I remember. In the championship game. We watched it in the garage. That was unreal. I'd like to do something like that again. For the tournament. I mean, this is just good stuff. College hockey should be watched just as much as the NHL. I truly believe it is equally as compelling, especially this year, because, like I said about the NHL, the talent is just so much deeper now. And Canadians are choosing to come play college hockey. I mean, Fantilli, the fact that Fantilli and Celebrini are playing college hockey is just amazing for the game. 10 years ago, they would have been on the Brandon Wheat Kings or the London Knights or the Seattle Thunderbirds. They'd be playing in the O right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of these Canadian kids are choosing to play college hockey, and i I think it's unreal. i I love it. I just Good love for yeah, it for
1: them. Yeah, it's an exciting time, absolutely for sure.
0: Do you have a a team that you think really takes it this year or still a little too early? I think it's gonna time?
1: be one of the Boston teams, obviously, but you can never underestimate Quinnipiac. There's like they've been so dominant over the years. like just the university as a whole. Like, they're one of those teams you just never underestimate when it comes to college hockey. So, I would say they're a sleeper for sure.
0: Their story of how they rose to the top kind of reminds me of a similar story of how the Blackhawks rose to the top. Obviously, minus hitting on draft picks. That's how NHL teams become good. You draft Dave's third overall. You get Kane first overall. You got Duncan Keith in the second round a couple years prior. Um, It's a little different in that sense, but, like, in the sense of how the Blackhawks built like a culture in a building, Uh John McDonough comes over from the Cubs and the Blackhawks don't even have like a person who gets paid to answer the telephone. Quinnipiac was very similar. It was like a middling college hockey program. They didn't put much resources or energy into it. And all of a sudden they started building gyms and putting together this crazy workout facility at the university. And now they have one of the best college hockey programs in the country. So it's a very similar rise to the top. They're doing great things there and I hope they have success. I agree. Frank, it's time for you to give a little bit of an opinion about some things when we get to our other portion of the show. When I say other, I mean non-hockey related chat. Period number three. All right, Frank. It's a moment of truth. I don't know if you prepared a statement or if you prepared a little soliloquy to share with the folks. But over the weekend, you went and saw Madam Web and Madam Web, I believe, is the fourth installment of the Spider-Man universe created by Sony. For some reason, they consider the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies as a part of it, um, which those are part of the MCU. So don't twist them with the Spider-Man universe. Sony, nobody cares about you. They're part of the MCU, not the Spider-U, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, the Venom movies. What did you think of Madam Web? And describe to the folks why you have such a negative thought about it. It sounds to me like if you could have somebody arrested, (laughs) this movie turned out you would.
1: This movie is just. It's the worst movie I think I've ever seen. Honestly, it is so bad it feels so bad that it's like fake like this was planted on us like the director came together and says all right guys we're going to troll the entire world and then on april 1st we're going to tell them like hey madam web's coming out later this year this was just all the bs you like that's how bad it is like i'm not the type of person who cares about like bad acting or something like that. I, I really don't care. If you got a good story. It's fine. This had a bad story. A bad villain. Bad acting. They act, like. It's. You honestly can't believe it. Unless you've seen it. Like you probably think like. I'm bullshitting you. Like. The acting was so bad. I, I feel like it was a bad soap opera on crack. Like it doesn't do it justice. Me shitting on the movie until you've seen it or until anybody's seen it. Um, I think the villains, one of the most, the worst villain of any movie. I can't think of a, a villain that even comes close to being that bad. It just felt, it almost felt like, we were gonna create a movie, and we needed like something, so we put a bag over my head, and I just had to play a villain, like just a villain. Like you're a Spider-Man movie, you're a Spider-Man villain. Like, are we gonna, are we gonna address like you have superpowers? Like, okay, that's fine if you don't want to take that route, but CGI. See Skokes, Skokes asked, "How's the CGI?" I don't really. I CGI is like one of the least things I look into. I really wasn't paying attention to the CGI that much. Right. Like I say, Polar Express is one of my favorite Christmas movies, probably my favorite Christmas movie of all time. And probably has the worst CGI of any movie out there. say so like so to me, CGI doesn't really matter a whole ton. It's just the whole rest of the movie was so bad. And a lot of the stuff that happened in the plot, was so unrealistic even for movies. And the movie's supposed to be unrealistic. But it's like, we can't be stupidly unrealistic. And it was. And honestly, I would recommend seeing the movie just to see how bad it was.
0: That's probably what the route I'm going to end up taking. Like, I'm absolutely, positively, for sure, going to see it at some point. There's no doubt in my mind. I can't... I can't not see it at some point after all the things that I've heard you and others say about it.
1: It's just... I I don't understand how stuff like this happens. If you got millions of dollars as a budget and you got a director who this is his job for a living, and you got some pretty big-named actors and actresses in the movie, how do you let something like this happen? Like This is Marvel like one of the biggest industries in the world. This is Sony. One of the yeah. biggest industries in the world. I'm like they could do so Batman? much with
0: it. Is Spider-Man the most popular superhero of all time? If he's not, it's he's second behind Batman. Like and DC foo bars anything Batman related anyway, so like Spider-Man has a clear lane to be the number one thing and they're just destroying it with movies like this.
1: And According to Dylan, they have to make these movies or they'll lose the rights to them. So that's why they're just making them, even if they're bad. But, like, how could you, like, this, this is your job. Like, how could you, how could it be this bad? I don't know. I, I, I'm trying, there's, like, not even a bright spot to the movie. I can't even think of, like. Did you laugh at
0: all to anything that's not, like, how stupid it was?
1: I don't think so because there's like there wasn't funny. one
0: joke that was genuinely it, funny other than this is so stupid I'm laughing at you. It's okay yeah, if I there's not.
1: Think, I don't think there is. There's well, not. That's fair. I,
0: I, be- laugh, right, right. So- I
1: believe you because,
0: here, like, when our buddy Dylan says a movie's genuinely good, I know it's good because he he has he loves to shit on things. When you say something's bad, I believe you. Because you genuinely praise things. And I'm not saying either of you are wrong. It, it, both of you have different perspectives. Life experiences lead to you having the types of opinions you do. But in those scenarios, when I hear you say that this movie is so bad, and you basically want someone arrested for thievery, for robbing you of the money you paid to see it,
1: I believe you. You gotta see it. You really do. thank hey. I I laughed at how like some like how bad the whoever wrote it that's bad.
0: That's... Not I'm good. sorry.
1: I'm sorry too to whoever did it. I'm like I don't want to shit on that person cuz this is what they do, but it's like nah.
0: Right?
1: If if you get
0: sho- if you're a pitcher and you give up four home runs, you're going to get criticized. If you're a goalie and you give up six goals, Frickin' Cal Peterson gave up seven goals to the Penguins the other night. Waivers today. You know, that's the harsh reality of life. If you stink at your job, you don't do it anymore.
1: It's just, I honestly think we could have came up with a better script. I really do. I believe it. Maybe not produced it as good. Like, maybe, like, that's not what we do. But I I strongly believe our writing skills, we could have wrote a better script.
0: For sure. Absolutely for sure. Okay, Frank. Now to another side of pop culture. A lot of good video games coming out soon. Oh yeah, are you excited? Big year, 2023, and I'm still catching up. I just got my PS5 for Christmas, but 2023 was widely considered one of the greatest years for video games of all time. 2024 probably won't live up quite the same. There's not going to be a Spider Man. There's not going to be a Zelda. There's not going to be a Hogwarts. Yeah,
1: there's but, not a ton of bigger like. But stuff like, like that.
0: I think the. The 2024 is going to be a nice building block for what's to come in 25 and beyond what games are you most looking forward to here in 2024
1: well obviously i can't wait for star wars outlaws i mean a canon star wars video game is always something to look forward to that's going to be a lot of fun we need to change of pace with star wars like we've gotten the jedi survivor the jedi fallen order we've gotten that we're going to take a little bit of a different pace and approach here in the Star Wars universe. So I think that's going to be fresh, something new, something great to look forward to. Also, Indiana Jones in the Great Circle, or yeah, in the Great Circle, that's going to be cool as well. We haven't really had a true Indiana Jones video game of this nature. So if this game is done correctly, this could be a really, really fun game. And I mean, I got to get caught up on the Indiana Jones universe. I don't think I've seen any of them, to be honest with you. It's so- Han Solo that plays. Yeah. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. And I i really want to get into it because like, I think this game has a lot of potential. Sure. I don't want them to foobar this. I don't want them to whatever, botch it.
0: Do you know what foobar stands for? No. You know what it means.
1: Yeah, but I don't. it's an acronym?
0: Yeah, it's an acronym. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> when you foobar something, it's like you messed it up. Yeah. Fucked up beyond all recognition.
1: I think I did know that. That sounds familiar. That sounds, yeah. So <laughs> I think I did know that, but yeah, they, you better not foobar this because there's Dude, don't a swear lot of, out. don't swear on my podcast. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential here, VP and Han Solo is not playing uh, Indiana Jones, the character in this game, which oh. is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, But there's also a new South Park video game coming out in March, which looks cool um i i gotta be honest i don't know much about it this just kind of came out of nowhere but i I'm, like fractured butthole. A fractured but i never <laughs> got to play the fact and the of truth all uh you know i mean i love star wars video games i love star wars it's one of my favorite animated shows
0: you mean south park what did i say star wars
1: is south park yeah cartman kenny
0: just all of them. I I've I've that. been missing it for the last handful of years. I haven't been caught up. I, I like to think that, <laughs> <Madden>. <laughs>
1: no, he's Jersey Jerry.
0: that he's saying that he's saying that like we're talking football.
1: Oh, you I know, thought he was re- referring he, to Jersey Jerry. No,
0: but. he doesn't know. He might know about Jersey Jerry. They really, quick, really quick. Really I, quick. I feel like that is the thing I will come. I will go down that path again in my life. The South what? Park path.
1: Oh yeah. Like I mean, I've been down that road it before it's been lately. a while,
0: but lately I haven't been watching it. And I think one day I'll eventually just, it'll be on and I'll, I'll go down that rabbit hole. Like the yeah, way I, I go down a star Wars rabbit hole or a Harry Potter rabbit hole.
1: Oh one yeah. Day I'll get been back been watching in on it. Religiously. Lately. Yeah. Kind of changed. Like they did uh integrity farms in their one season. Very weird. Um, it was not like they weren't in Colorado or they weren't in like their normal South Park setting and that kind of turned me off a little bit. But I guess we just got to change with the times. Absolutely. Also, one more mm-hmm. uh Hades 2 is a big one that nearly everybody on the planet's looking forward to because the first Hades got out of this world reviews as if the game was made out of pure gold. I never got the chance to play it, but I might have to just because there's a sequel coming out and I I kind of want to be with the in with the video games when that comes around so we'll see um it, it's definitely not going to be a game for everybody that type of genre uh, like i don't even think it's a d game Dylan probably wouldn't like it um it's an acquired taste for sure but i might give it a go and then of course i always look forward to the new cods because apparently we're getting original zombies round based zombies this year with the rumors i can't wait for stuff like that but i mean there are some there's great video games coming out but none like Elden Ring, Hogwarts Legacy. Um, We're not getting college football this year. So, like, nothing huge is coming out, but there are still big games that I'm excited to see. So, we'll see. And there will probably
0: be some big reveals throughout the year, over the summer.
1: Yeah, Nintendo Switch 2 will probably get officially announced.
0: Which, I'm excited about Nintendo Switch 2. I love my Nintendo Switch. I got a lot of use out of it. I'm ready to have a Nintendo Switch that's a little more updated, though, like... I have the very, very first one. So, so I you're never even get it. got yeah, I'm gonna get it. I never even got the one where the screen goes all the way to the edge. Oh, really? Yeah, my I have the very first Nintendo Switch. Like I'm looking at Joey's right now and I can see the screen goes all the way to the edge and it's just better, nicer. And so I assume the Nintendo Switch 2 will be similar. Um I, I'm I'm ready for an upgrade. I've had my Switch for like eight years. You do. you definitely do. Definitely do.
1: Uh, tell me about Helldivers 2 really quick. I a lot of people are talking about it. I got to be honest with you. I don't know a ton about it. Oh, Helldivers? Yeah. The, the one that's out already?
0: It just came out. Today? No, like last week or the week before. Okay, so it's recent.
1: Yeah, I, I did a little research on it. Um, a lot of issues with the game so far with like servers issues and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, As far as, I never played the original, so I I don't know a ton about the game. I just know there's a lot of issues going on right now with, like, servers, and there were so many people needing, like, wanted to play the game, and they just didn't plan for the server capacity, and it's kind of, like, broken the game, and I don't know if they've done anything to fix it yet. And it it even gotten to the point to where people were leaving their, like, PC or whatever on for, like, 72 hours straight, so they didn't lose their spot in the server. Interesting. And it's like ruining it for other people. Wow. But I don't know if they've gotten that fixed. or. Well,
0: I wonder because just shout out our good pal Nick Enzelmo. He's the one who told me to get it and play it. He he described it as like you play with up to four players and you go through the universe and try to take back planets. And you need others and you need to be able to communicate and talk in order to get the job done. It actually does sound really fun. But, you know, maybe one day I'll go down that path. I would like to. It sounds really fun. Um, all right, Frank, before we move on into the extra period of today's show, um, give me a quick outlook on what you're looking forward to from the 2024 upcoming major league baseball season. Shout out to Crosstown Crosstalk, which will make in a special 11 a.m. appearance
1: on Friday morning. You know, I'm looking forward to this season. I'm going to change my opinion on the Cubs, though, I think. I, I'm going back and forth on the, if they'll be good or not. I think they're going to have success. I really do. I Craig Council, I think, is going to make all that much difference. Cody Bellinger's back, signed a three-year deal. I do think a coach makes that much of a difference, even if they are technically given a worse team um, than years previous. But I, I like the prospects the Cubs have. I think things will start to click. So I, I'm looking forward to watching the Cubs. I will say they will have a successful year this year. Take that with however you want to interpret in your words what the term successful means, but I do think they will have a successful year. I'm also excited to watch the Mariners. I hope they get things going. I mean, they're cursed, though, with the tough division they play in, and I didn't love the offseason that they had, but we'll see. This is a team that doesn't always surprise you with big moves. They never have a great off season. But, you know, they do surprise you during the regular season. I mean, that's just kind of like the team that they are. They don't really do anything magnificent. But then they kind of surprise you here and there. I'm I'm upset they got rid of Suarez. I like Gino. They got rid of Jared Kalanick. I was kind of upset about him. He was a – I liked him as a pretty good prospect. I thought he was. Obviously, they didn't like what he was bringing. But, so, I mean – Robbie Ray. It, Robbie Ray, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great offseason VP. but. I mean, according to them, they're doing whatever they think will make them successful. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think the M's will be pretty good. I think the Cubs are going to win the Central. Wow. Yeah.
1: You were back and forth saying like it's going to be. They did nothing I mean. until a week
0: ago. I changed my opinion based on moves. I'm not and somebody. That's why I changed that, That's my why. Too. That's why when I shit on the Cubs as like a joke, but I I like I mean it. Take it seriously. I'm not being just a troll. Like. You you should know this better than anybody. Like, when they suck, I'm going to say it. I'll laugh about it more than other teams. But when they're good, I got no leg to stand. Like, you're going to have, so you're going to have Suzuki, Hap, Horner, Swanson, Bellinger. That's a good of a top five core in the league if you're not the Dodgers. Yep. I, I That is just so deep. I uh, The rotation's a little worrisome. We'll see if Justin Steele's able to have, like, another good year like he did last year. Um, You know, there's no Marcus Stroman. But, you know, we'll see how their rotation goes. Their bullpen should be pretty decent. Um, But they're going to score a crap ton of runs. I just don't see – unless Swanson sucks, which I don't think he's going to, and Bellinger comes back down to earth again, which – Back down to earth for Bellinger, still a really good player. As long as he's not bad, like he was in the last year with the Dodgers, you will know, th- That's a significant upgrade having him play first base. And if Peter Crow Armstrong can actually live up to playing the outfield, which he's got an incredible glove, he couldn't mm-hmm. hit. I don't even think he got a hit with the Cubs last year. He had like what ten games, ten the season. I don't think he got yeah, a hit in any a of lot. that. Yeah. But you know, he'll get his first career MLB hit early in April if not late in March and they'll be off to the races they're, I just don't see, because I look at the rest of the division. It might not even be me complimenting the Cubs as much as it sounds like when I say they're going to win the central, I am complimenting them. I think they're a good team. What are the Cardinals? They were the most disappointing team in the Le- uh, national league last year. Yeah. They have Arenado and Goldschmidt, their MVP caliber guys, but like the rest of the way they signed Lance Lynn, if he's good Lance Lynn, then yeah, that's a good piece in the rotation. If he's White Sox Lance Lynn last year, <laughs> you know, um the brew crew step back. They don't have Woodruff or Burns anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Um the Pirates are the Pirates. The Reds, the Reds could take a step forward. Right, If Ella De La Cruz comes in and is really good again and you know they have this great prospect pool and some of these guys hit, yeah, the Reds could be a competition. I just don't love the Brew Crew and the Cardinals, which are the two sure. typical teams that give them the most trouble. Um, yeah, I think they're going to be really good. The White Sox are trash. I'll be rooting for the Yankees and Red Sox this year. Just not rooting for them, but I'll watch the White Sox, of course. But as far as my entertainment value, a lot of it's going to rest on the American League East division.
1: Tooch says, "Vinny, my radio son."
0: Hello there, Tooch. What's up, Tooch? Getting ready for baseball season here on Bar Down Talking Hockey. I know that makes no sense, um, but yeah, watch Crosstown Crosstalk on Friday. Looking forward, looking forward to it. Um, Tim Anderson signed with the Marlins. You saw that?
1: I did last week. Tim right? Anderson <laughs> and Jake
0: Berger on the same team. Big. Would have never thought that they'd be on the same team that's not the White Sox. Even crazy, if we were huh? talking at the beginning of last year when Tim Anderson was like playing really well in the world baseball classic. It's just it's crazy, honestly. My excitement for baseball season's high, but it's not at all revolved around thinking my favorite team is gonna win. That's all. fair. Um
1: sorry, Reefy.
0: Tooch wants to know what do you think about Decision Gate? The Justin Fields Caleb Williams
1: debate. Well, they're gonna trade him, like it's guaranteed, pretty much. I think so. What, um, like what am I like? What
0: a. I think. Do you like it? I don't know. What do you think about it?
1: Yeah, I'm really indifferent.
0: If the Vikings retain Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields is the fourth best quarterback in the division you don't win with the fourth best quarterback in the division. If you draft Caleb Williams, you don't know what number rank he is in the division. He could be first, he could be second, he could be last. I'll go on a limb and say he's not third. (laughs) He's not going to be the third. He's either going to be the first, the second, or the last. That's fair. And I think there's a world where he's the best.
1: I think I prefer talent-wise, I think Caleb Williams.
0: And you know what? We were down on Williams middle of the season. I changed my mind.
1: I, I just think
0: he's a prick. I trust prospects that say he's not. Okay. I I trust prospects, or not prospects, scouts. I meant to say scouts. Scouts watch football with no heart. They have no skin in the game. They don't care other than being right. That is all they care about is being right. They don't care about your feelings. They don't care about... What so-and-so does away from the field, they don't care if they hug their mom. They right. do
1: and they play football. He might be fantastic. I just Scouts think
0: say he's a generational talent. he's in line with Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck. That's if fine. that is the case, he should be the number one overall pick by the Chicago Bears. That is my opinion. If Ryan Poles believes that Caleb Williams is a generational talent, they should do it. He says, which do you prefer? I prefer not Fields because Fields has already shown me he's the fourth best quarterback in the NFC North. And you don't win with the fourth best quarterback in your division.
1: I agree. I mean, I was the Steelers, going with...
0: the Steelers have the fourth best quarterback in their division. Where's that going to lead them? Time for them to make a switch to.
1: He goes, I don't care if he paints his nails, cries with his mom or a secret Russian spy. That dude is a baller. I
0: mean, he won the Heisman Trophy last year, and he had
1: a, he had a good season this
0: year with USC. And I just don't see a world. I, I would rather take a new guy every year until they get it right. Because uh, the alternative, can you hear me? Okay, so apparently I lost Frankie, but I'm live. So what I was saying was, my. Is he back? Not yet. Okay, so they say they can hear me. Um, I believe you can you take... hear me. Oh, yeah, there you are. I say you take a quarterback no matter what until you get it right. That's fair. If if you fields clearly isn't the guy, take Caleb Williams. If he sucks, on to the next. It's seems on like to prick. the next until you get it right. I don't care if he's a prick.
1: Well, that's fine. I just, the Bears just like need a prick. prick. The, Bears, the Bears need a prick. But how do you like like somebody who's just an asshole? Well, we have no actual age. Like, just the vibe he gives off. Like the stuff he says in the media just seems like he's well a dick. I
0: I'm I I think it's time for the Bears to have arrogant asshole as their quarterback because Mitch was nice and Justin Fields a great dude they both suck. Caitlin Caitlin says in the chat Steelers can win the Super Bowl if they u- utilize Mitch.
1: It's just disrespectful. Yeah,
0: Mitch will be on a new team next year.
1: Mitch, Mitchy,
0: Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> hey, buddy. He Mitch. I I used to love Mitch. When he went to the Bulls game and got booed, I was so mad after they <laughs> drafted him. I was pissed. Little did I know that they passed on arguably the greatest quarterback who ever lived for Mitch. Damn, I hate that team. I hate that team so much. They better get this right. And if they don't, you just got you just got to keep going for the next quarter. Cor- and you do not win in the NFL without a quarterback. Brock Purdy's good enough to get you to the Super Bowl. You need, at minimum, Brock Purdy. You really don't win the Super Bowl unless you have, like, a top guy, though. Mahomes. uh, Not even Lawrence. I just hope
1: he's not a dick.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Uh, He says, Justin Fields' next contract will be prohibitive and probably overpriced. That is true. I Fields... I don't think you can name more than five teams that would put Fields as their starter guaranteed without competition in camp whatsoever. There are less than five teams. And that, to me, is this, that's enough proof right there that it's time to move on. I agree. Um, but, yeah. All right, Frank. And speaking of bets, the next team that Justin Fields will play for was taken off DraftKings today. Um, over-under on Cubs wins. We're getting in the chat. What would you set it at? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. I was thinking eighty-nine. Eighty-nine and a half. Wow. I'd take the under. If you take the over, you think they're like a definitive division winner. If you take the under, you think they're probably either a wild card team or miss the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I got them like wild card. I think we'll see.
0: I would take the over. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm high go you, you. Got Bellinger and you got Craig Council. They sneaky had a good off season. They went from having a terrible off season to a good one in a week.
1: That's, That's fair. It goes. That's fair. He's the
0: first player in Cubs history to make thirty million in one season. It's not the highest contract of all time, but it's the highest average annual value in Cubs history. Hopefully, we put it to good use. Hopefully you put it to good use Like the money you're about to spend In America's favorite podcast segment Of the week Breaking bets
1: Where's my money bitch E.
0: Breaking bets. Got it back to forty. <laughs> Got it back to forty. All right, Frank.
1: We're on a heater.
0: All right, let's answer those questions before we get into your, or is one of those answers in your breaking bet segment? Which one? Hey guys, Rangers over under six point yeah. five tonight. Jules, you here? Are you still here, Jules? Well, you know. answer
1: that. That's not in mine.
0: Okay. I think it goes under. I, I do not think I am the over guy. I don't think six and a half is a good play for any hockey game, Um, but I would say I, I probably like the over in Blues Oilers. It's probably so, six
1: and a half. I would guarantee it. You think it's six and a half? Yeah, I'd almost guarantee it. Six and a half is like almost normal in hockey.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I just for the Rangers and Blue Jackets, though I, I'll go under that game, over the other game. All right, that's my plays for today. And then, who wins the AL Central, Frank? Real quick. Um, between the White Sox, Guardians, Twins, Royals, and Tigers. Uh, Ooh, you got them thinking there, Tucci.
1: I might go on a, a crazy prediction here. Just give me a sec. Well, I'm going to go f- Tigers.
0: Oh, I knew it. I knew you were going to. Once you said something crazy, I knew you wouldn't say the Royals or the White Sox. I'm going Tigers. Big year okay.
1: for the Tigers. Take a massive step up.
0: If Jason Benetti calls a playoff team Tigers season, <laughs> I think I will shoot myself <laughs> in the fucking face. Shit. I swear to God. That would just literally, you know, Sox math is gone. Is it really? Frickin' Benetti was the best. Remind me, it's probably gonna become a Tiger thing.
1: Oh no! That
0: sucks. Everything sucks.
1: It'll be like Cubs corner or something like Tiger. Like Tiger absolutely Club, kill me, know.
0: kill me right now. I'm gonna say the Twins repeat as AL Central champions. See, that's
1: what I was chalk.
0: It's chalk, but I mean.
1: I wanted to spice up the show Tooch, a little bit. Tooch
0: is probably looking to make a little bet. I'm not going to lead Tooch down well,
1: I a wouldn't a bad way with his there, money. But, uh,
0: if I know Tooch, he's it. looking to make a bet. So I'm giving my true so, honest answer whether it's chalk or not. If he's looking to
1: make a bet, then. If you're looking for
0: value, I think value's in the Guardians.
1: Jules, don't leave now. Have a great night. I didn't even get to the picks. Give your picks. Come on, Jules. Wake up. First pick has to do with the Blue Jackets and the Rangers. Just didn't have to do with the over and under. I like the Rangers minus a goal and a half. I hate to take teams minus a goal and a half in the NHL because it's hard to win games as it it is in the NHL let alone needing them to win by two goals or more. I hate it. I think it's stupid. And hockey is one of the most unpredictable sports. But this spot just feels like right to take the minus one and a half. The Rangers just got done playing the Blue Jackets the other night where they lost four to two. The Blue Jackets have played the Rangers tough all year. The Blue Jackets are two and one against the Rangers. And the only Ranger win came in a shootout but something just feels different about this game. Something about playing a team back to back in a short span of time makes me lean to take the Rangers minus a goal and a half and it's plus a hundred. So I would bet to win one unit on that second pick. Also something I don't do on this show too often. I got a parlay for you, an NBA parlay got the Pelicans at the Pacers, which I like the Pacers in that one. And I would parlay it with the Nuggets who are home against our Kings VP. This game, or these games, I should say, just called to me. Pelicans played last night, and I don't bet on teams on the second half to a back-to-back, and the Pacers have been playing better ball lately. The other game, I really don't like how the Kings have played lately. They've been getting wins, but I don't like how they've been getting those wins, squeaking them out last minute. They're also 3-0 and against the Nuggets this season, and the Nuggets are one of the best teams in the NBA, and I'd be stunned if the Kings swept the Nuggets in the regular season. So I... I Really, really confident on this. Pacers parlayed with the Nuggets on the money line. It is minus 109 if you parlay them. I'd bet to win three units on that one. My final pick has to do college basketball. You got University of Central Florida at Oklahoma State. I like Oklahoma State money line at minus 135. I'd bet to win three units on that one. UCF just got a big win against Texas Tech. And now this is a letdown spot against a team that struggled to win all year. Oklahoma State's 12 and 15. But they've had a very tough schedule. This team is a lot better than the record suggests. And they're coming off a heartbreaking loss on a prayer buzzer beater with no time left against big time rivals Oklahoma. I see Oklahoma State winning this game fairly easy. Okay. Oklahoma okay. State line minus 135. Bet to win three units. Good picks. Good picks. I did, Jules. I did Oklahoma State. I really liked that a lot.
0: Well, you're gonna go three and zero and get closer to being back to fifty percent.
1: The one I'm sketched about is the Rangers. That's why we only did a one unit on that one, but the other two plays are three units. Just feels right for the Rangers. I I just never do the goal and a half ever.
0: Very good. So we'll, well see. Frank, good good segment on breaking bets. Hopefully all those hit and people start making some money. Or people see your atrocious record and they fade you and win money themselves. They could. Um thank you to everybody in the chat for coming to today's show. It has been absolutely fun. Loved every minute of it. Talk some hawk, talk some beast baseball, some video games, a little money making action. Um really had fun. Frank, before we get out of here, is there anything you want to say to the folks?
1: Uh just enjoy the non-tornado weather if you live in the chicagoland area
0: the non-tornado weather we went from freaking 70 yeah we went from freaking 70 (laughs) to 23 in one day like no wonder there was a
1: tornado it's crazy
0: so i hope everybody enjoyed today's show as much as we enjoyed recording it for you and we will be back here next wednesday ready to have all the hockey news right up your alley Um, Very much looking forward to it, Frank. I hope you have a good night. I hope everybody in the chat is safe and well. And as always, thank you for listening.